Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Ranieri. And I'm John Deck. And each week, we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. That's right. And this week... I hated the colonel with his wee beady eyes and that smug look on his face. Oh, you're gonna buy my chicken. Oh! (laughs) That's right. We're watching So I Married an Ex-Murderer from 1993, directed... (laughs) By Thomas Schlammy. <laughs> Nailed it in one. Got it in one. Sorry for butchering the shit out of your name, Thomas, but well, you directed this movie. It is a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world known as the <laughs> Pentaveret who run everything in the world, including the newspapers, and meet triannually in a secret country mansion in Colorado known as the Meadows. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to see these rants again. They were so great. We used to quote them all the time. Uh, This movie is really responsible for me using the word fortnightly more than I'd ever (laughs) used it before. Smart ass. (laughs) Uh, What made you pick this this week? Uh, Well, this was actually suggested to me by Tara, who is a big fan of this movie. And I had... I thought you were going to say of the show, and I was going to say we don't no, have those. No, but... we don't have fans of the show. But it is it is a movie that really fits our our core core uh, concept here pretty well, because I, I do have some great and fond memories of this, but it's mostly comes in the form of, of quotes and quotations and moments and I can't honestly remember if the movie itself is good at all. I feel like it is because I have such fond memories. But am I going to just cringe the whole time now? I just don't know. And yes, it's always funny uh, to have someone speak with a Scottish accent. That's just comedy. Um, but right. no. <laughs> but I mean, there. I I'm confident I'm going to chuckle every time someone yells out, "He hid." Hit pants now! <laughs> like <laughs> he's gonna go cry on his big pillar, <laughs> hauling that gargantuan cranium about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like, it's always funny to make fun of young people with large heads as well. These are all common sense, you know. There's nothing wrong with it, but no, I, I just, I universal I, truths. I just worry it is like. Beatnik poetry is that going to take a hit? I don't know. Um, I, I I feel like this might be that like weird like slightly underappreciated Mike Myers property that doesn't quite have the same audience as like an Austin Powers or a Wayne's World, but uh, on some levels I feel gives us more. I don't know. Like I I I I feel like talking now. I'm just gonna shoot myself in the foot later or chop myself in the foot with an X or something because um, <laughs> I, I really can't speak too much about this movie other than just general 
feelings of nostalgia and humor and, and enjoyment. I mean, do you, has it been a long time since you've seen it? So it's been, it's been at least 15 years. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been, I'll say it's been at least 12 years, maybe not quite 15, but it's been at least 12. Like, I still feel like I can quote about a fourth of the movie at least just based <laughs> upon, even though I haven't seen the movie you know, again, at least a good 15 years. And I haven't even talked about it outside of like for this podcast in many, many years. So, you know, it, 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 I think it'd be good. I think it's going to be a fun little experiment. I, and, and at the very least, we're going to get this intersection of like Rod Stewart with bagpipes. It's really, you know, <laughs> it's going to help us get where we my need to be. Eyes, get in my dream. <laughs> We're going to go watch this and laugh our asses off. Uh, It's currently streaming on Stars. If you have Stars, uh, you can get it there. Otherwise, get it from the usual spots. And when we come back, we are talking So I Married an Axe Murderer. John, are you ready? We have a piper down. (laughs) I repeat, a piper is down. (laughs) Are you Arnold Schwarzenegger right now? Getting the chopper. Okay. <laughs> I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's a pretty good uh, one. I think we should definitely keep that in and not that, cut that immediately. Nope, not at all. Oh, We're going to go watch this movie. Let's yeah, do it. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. So much of this movie, John, I think is still quite good. Would you agree? I would. I would. I I, I uh, had a lot of fun. I would never try to argue its merits as a piece of art. But uh, we're going to talk about that. I, I, I want to touch on that later. But yes, I do agree uh, on the whole. So if you look at like Mike Myers films like as a whole, I feel... There's a lot of ups and downs, even within any one film at times. Some sometimes like some parts of something are great and then it's a little falls a little flat and kind of bounces around. And I, I think that's just a little bit of at least from my perspective of how I feel about a lot of Mike Myers movies, and that happens in this one as well. There's a few parts that are, you know, land a little like hard. Um and they're just like, okay, well that's that's there, that's fine. But I think out of, I don't know if I would say out of all those movies, but I, I definitely say that this is, well, yeah, it's very much near the top of my favorite of all of his movies. And I think it's because it's a combination of him doing what's authentic to him in terms of his sense of humor and his his own particular special kind of weirdness. And at the same time, it's trying to have a, a good heart about telling a uh, a love story, you know, it's, it's got some solid elements. And most importantly, it really has, you know, some, some characters and lines that are just unbelievably hilarious and are, are fun to quote. And it's so it's like, it has all the pieces to just be solid enough and to have enough fun moments to really enjoy it. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. Like, you you don't have that sort of with a lot of the comedies that are sort of Lorne Michaels adjacent, you get this real, like it, it, it feels like there's a lot injected into it. That's probably unnecessary. 
And you don't get that same sense with this. Like, there is stuff in here that's probably unnecessary, and we're going to go into that. But it, it's not the same. It's like there's... It, it's funny on its own without having to be attached to that sort of brand. You know what I mean? Like that SNL brand. Yeah, and I, I'd say even over the course of you know different characters that that uh, Mike Myers has played, I mean, I gotta say, Scottish person. <laughs> like whether it's you mean, you, do you mean Shrek Dad? Well, it, I was going to say, whether it's Shrek or whether it's uh, Stuart or, you know, like who, whoever it is, whether it's the the characterization or just the delivery, like the accent is elf. Okay, that that's just kind of fun and, and charming in its own way. But like when you combine that with the context of the characters, like I think there's a consistent level of, of, of solid uh fun to be had right there so that that's that's pretty much my my biggest takeaway from from watching this and it almost makes me want to watch shrek because i remember at least for the first one i really i really enjoyed it quite a bit and i'm kind of curious as a piece of animation i loved shrek like I have great memories of watching Shrek, the the original. I'm not talking about any of the sequels, but the the original Shrek movie I thought was wonderful. Yeah, I saw I saw that at a, a drive-in for the first time, and even at a drive-in, which a lot of times um, the quality uh, of the the you know the screen you're watching is not always the best. But even then, I right. was just really impressed with what was going on with that. But uh, we're not here to talk about Shrek. We're here no, to we're talk here to about. talk about live action San Francisco Shrek, which live we will action. do now. Uh, <laughs> so you you talked about its merits as a piece of art. I want to get into that for a minute because the, as much as I talk about talked about just now, how this is is it stands on its own because it's not that Lorne Michaels associated sort of thing. Not that I have anything against Lorne Michaels, like I know I've mentioned his name twice now on SNL, but I like there's this sort of almost stigma that goes along with movies that that are within that that realm, like you know your your Tommy Boys and your Billy Madisons and your Black Sheep, and they they all have this like look and feel to them that is unto themselves, and and it's you can tell when it's that yeah there's a big difference between a night at the roxbury and django unchained right or or wayne's world like there's there's very much a a separation between those types of films and other films and this stands on its own however it does this thing where it tries to be artsy and like you you have charlie who's this sort of beat poet which i'll i'll let it go I'll let it be a thing. Like, you want to be a beat poet in this movie, Mike Myers? Have at it. But it it tries to be this sort of Gen X uh, art house sort of cult film, and it it doesn't do that very well. Like, it's this is a movie that 
would have done, I haven't looked at the, the numbers, but I would imagine it would have done fair to Midland in the box office. And, but, but it's, it's trying to be something that would get, you know, thrown into the mix at Toronto or Sundance. Like it, it's, it's this weird, it, it tries to do this sort of dual thing where it tries to be an artsy film, but also a mainstream film. Like, did you get that same sense or? Well, it's, it's, it's hard to say that or, or is it kind of openly mocking it, you know, where it's, it's trying to both have its cake and eat it too. You know, is it trying to kind of wink I- at the camera as Mike Myers does both literally and metaphorically all the time? And so, like, his beat poet stuff and, like, the the ridiculousness of, of certain aspects of uh, of the film, like, even just Harriet's place where she lives and, like, you know, like... What all... a fucking great place to have. And there's no in way San you have that with square footage in San Francisco for any reasonable amount of money, certainly not on a butcher's salary. Right. You know, unless... You know, it turned out she was some sort of a murderer collecting life insurance policy money or something. Right. And that's not no, it. No, but she's just a bitcher. <laughs> but, yeah, I like, I, I'm not going to weigh those things, but I could see how if you're teetering on the edge, you could find it almost pretentious or annoying at parts for sure, because, you know, why not? I think I just kind of embraced it because I knew I had no choice and... As, as we often do on these movies as we're watching them. Um, and so it I found it to be a little bit more fun and charming than I did horrific and pretentious. So Sure. I mean, it, it's very cheeky. for, for if, if there's nothing else that you could say about it, it, it there's a lot of, of sort of cheeky good time antics going on in this Plus, movie. Plus, having lived in San Francisco, not in this exact era, but like... I've embraced enough of the culture, both the super authentic weird culture, and then, like, I've been a part and seen the offshoots of, like, overdone weird culture where you feel like it's almost performance art, but it's really people thinking that this is them being authentic. Like, I've I've seen that and been around some of that kind of experience enough to think that there genuinely could be audiences, people who would think a performance like Charlie's would merit a lot of, you know, he could become, you know, a little mini celebrity in a way like that part is not unrealistic to me, even if I think it's not great. But uh, I think that if you have someone who's going to get up in front of a crowd and rhyme thief with belief (laughs) uh, and the way he does, she was a thief. You got a belief. She stole my heart and my cat. Like, that's just, that's a, that's a great line. I, I genuinely think that's amusing. But I like, agree. when you then, you know, have him on the couch with, uh, uh, Tony is his name, his friend. Yeah. But like, when they're like, wearing the fucking Huggy Bear suit. Yeah. And like, that just feels like a setup that doesn't feel like a real life situation that they're making fun of when, when they're talking about how, Mike Myers is, you know, never happy and they always find something wrong with the girls he's dating. I just was like, oh, wait, is this Seinfeld or 
characters. You know, like like there were just all these little like She smelled like soup is a very George Costanza line. Yeah. Absolutely. I have that written down here. Like yeah. this is a George Costanza line. So it didn't feel authentic at all, which is funny because the part I thought was more authentic was his strange little beat poetry that you know wasn't necessarily good but everybody loved it like i thought that was a more authentic than the conversations on the couch you know as they were you know leading up to it but you know i'm willing to give it a pass because it's just it's still funny and i really just had to keep just waiting until we got back to seeing him at his you know mom and dad so that's all that really mattered to me no there was a lot of the, the, there was more good stuff than bad in this, although the bad was pretty fucking bad and sort of cringy to me. Like the the hello, hello, that sort of thing. Like got on my fucking nerves every time he did it. Like right from the giant cappuccino to <laughs> it, 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 literally every interaction. I'm just like, stop. That's... It, you don't need to do that. And like many of the interactions between Charlie and Harriet also really like they just they felt forced. Like every time uh they were they like did this sort of runaway thing or like there were just these like these moments of we're trying to portray this new couple that is getting to know one another and now we're we're just gonna do we're gonna randomly run away. Well, well, I mean, I agree a hundred percent. It <laughs> kind of had fluctuated greatly. Um, I thought there were moments that felt better than others, but from from the get go, not just him stalking her and staring at her because okay, whatever. But like that was a little creepy. Okay, I own and run a butcher shop in San Francisco. It's busy. There's dozens of people. Everyone's upset. This person says, ah, oh, hey, let me flirt with you and help you out. And I go, okay. And then that person proceeds to waste hundreds of dollars of my food, pretending the food is guts and smearing or throwing them on the ground, scaring the customers, getting, you know, ruining my company's reputation, wasting my money. And I'm just like kind of smirking going, oh, that funny person. Like, okay. With the exception of when he has the piece of meat hanging out of his sleeve and he goes, Mom, Mom, can you help me, Mom? And scares the two ladies away. That I legitimately laughed at. I thought it was fucking hilarious. If you had just that moment, (laughs) I would have been like, absolutely, this is wonderful. This is comedy gold. But you just keep like and like oh, 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 like pounding on it like come on like, is yeah. that necessary that is like the mike meyer school of comedy though yeah overdo it it's like you have six bullets in the gun you needed one to kill the person and then you just fired you just kept shooting and you just kept shooting and it's like okay fine i get it you have a gun that was my undercover cop bit nice I was trying to entrap you and you didn't fall for it. Good job. That was classic undercover cop. <laughs> Which isn't that the name of a Sylvester Stallone movie? That is uh or, no, that's cop and a half. That is cop and a half. Nope. That is Burt Reynolds. Uh oh. stop or my mom will shoot. Oh, 
Jeez. is uh is Sylvester Stallone talking about two movies that are both a lot worse than so I married an axe murderer <laughs> hey hold on now I have good memories of stop and removal shoot you need to get your brain checked and know we will not watch that movie on this uh, podcast <laughs> you can you can wait till you can I can it. cut that together to say we will oh no yeah <laughs> <sighs> I have to start a second podcast to contradict everything you put together in the first podcast. <laughs> this is setting the record straight with John. So speaking of setting the record straight, um, I think it's it's almost it's easy to take shots at Mike Myers and his unevenness uh, in comedy because and the way he can sometimes go a little over the top, and by sometimes I mean always but like yeah. there's something like the material has to own it and has to like bal- find a balancing act which i think because we did the first austin powers movie right we did yes I we, we did austin powers we did wayne's world that's right we also did wayne's world but we're we're in the we're in the triumvirate <laughs> of <laughs> myers's oh, oh we also did halloween that's um, correct. That's that's like a that's the uh, best Mike Myers movie. Oh uh, God, what am I blanking on the racing movie with the driver, baby driver? Yeah, there you go. That's it. All connects. So I I have a, a, a new segment for us. Are you ready? Yep, let's do it. I mean, I, I want to make sure you're ready because I'm gonna craft a theme song for this bit, and if we ever do it again i definitely want to make sure you have my embarrassing whatever. i'm recording this right now are you recording this whole podcast because you have the to tell whole me if podcast you're right now i am ah. recording it all right this well, is not entrapment here we go this this next bit just prepare yourself it's called uh six degrees of someone and i think the <laughs> the the theme song would be something like this Six degrees of someone. Nice. Was that, was that pretty ominous? I was, that was great. I was trying to take it like the opposite direction of, of, of Gritten. I'll, um, I'll see if I can reach string my guitar and figure out that chord that you just made with your mouth, and then I'll play it <laughs> my, before my th- you go six degrees of someone. <laughs> my throat singing. Um <laughs> No, I thought what would be fun, um, there's a lot of Mike Myers films out there. By a lot, I mean that relatively. There's really not so many. Um, it but feels I want like you, a lot, though, doesn't I it? Want, I want you to guess how many degrees am I away from Mike Myers. And, and if you recall, we're basing this a little off the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, where uh, you'd say, you know, you could pick any actor and there you can connect them to Kevin Bacon starring in a movie by other things they've been in. This is a little different. I'm not talking about movies or, or TV shows necessarily. I'm just talking about um, where you've known or met someone who is somehow connected to someone who's connected oh, to someone who's connected boy. to someone who, who knows Mike Myers. That's in this a tough case. one because I know that you, one John Deck, are mm-hmm. fairly not – not suit not you're you're not you're not even C list, but you're you're 
you're fairly connected within the sort of Hollywood community. I don't know I'm if I'd say, connect, say I may be more connected than someone who is not connected at all. You're you're more connected than me. And so that's my sort of litmus test for how connected someone is. Because uh, I'm zero connected. So anyone who's more connected than me is therefore fairly well connected. Now... I bet we could get you connected to Mike Myers and six people, though, because that's just oh well, because I'm I'm you adjacent. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's easy, <laughs> but I think it's for me. It'd be fewer because I'm gonna guess that you are four degrees from Mike Myers. That is incorrect. I am two degrees from Mike <sighs> Myers because I've met. Bill Shut Hart. up. And Phil Hartman who? is in this movie. Sorry, who have you met? Phil Hartman. Oh, man. When did you meet Phil Hartman? Um, I need to know this story. I didn't know. I had no idea that you had met the late Phil Hartman. I, I, so you didn't know that I star in an episode of News Radio? I did not. And by star, what I mean is I was in the audience and I made up a bit of a laugh so you could hear me on the recorded laugh track for the show. <laughs> Sorry, which season and episode is this? Because I now it's need to season look it up. three, and it's it's somewhere near the end of the third season. It's an episode where Jimmy James has a heart attack because Matthew jumps out of a fridge. Okay, and then they keep Jimmy uh, in in the new studio in a hospital bed while he's recovering. And uh, yeah, so I was there, and I, and when I say I met Phil Harmon, it it's like he came out and talked to the audience in between takes and stuff. So it's not like we like went out and had coffee or anything, but I think it counts. And that's why this segment is called six degrees of someone. So yeah, so that's my fun, my fun connection to one, one, just one, I guess is that, wait, is that two degrees or one degree away? Uh, that'd be two degrees. Cause it, it'd be you, then Phil and then Mike. So yeah, if it was one, it would be like I just met Mike. You Myers. just met Mike Myers. You were one away. Gotcha. So I'm wow. I'm three degrees from Mike Myers. That's yeah. pretty fucking cool. So yeah, so that that'll be fun. I'm sure there'll be other people this could be relevant to in the future. So yeah, <laughs> you know, speaking of other people who are in this movie, Bingo! Yolanda, it's cool, baby. It's cool. Yolanda from Pulp Fiction <laughs> plays Harriet's sister. Uh, which is neat. I, I is that honey ba- honey baby? Uh, yeah, it's uh, or what's her name? Uh, I don't know. I, I know her. I know she's Yolanda. Uh, uh, I lo- uh, but she she's the 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 girl in the cafe. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. with Tim Roth. Yeah. you know, knocking like over the honey the bunny time. or honey baby. Honey right? bunny. There yeah, you go, okay. honey bunny. So. Yep, that that is correct. And she does it so well. She she has that that demeanor that's like simultaneously I'm smiling and and I appear happy, but I'm also a bit menacing. And but you I, know what that means, though. I don't mean I, to. I do, but the audience doesn't. So why don't you tell them? Well, I I'm I'm doing that classic bit where I mention something. That is in total disregard of your <laughs> the point you're making, <laughs> where I realize slowly that 
that like uh, you can now say that you're five degrees away from Samuel L. Jackson. Oh shit. So I'm sorry, go ahead with five our five degrees from Samuel Jackson. <laughs> <Did it do. laughs> That's I mean, wow. We 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 have the makings of a best of album. <laughs> so yeah, you have you have the sister. Yeah, and she she does that it's almost it actually kind of made me think of Dexter and how they they sort of paint the the serial killer uh throughout that show and how they they have to sort of fiend emotion and things like that and she she plays that to a T in this is she playing it or is that just her wow that's a great question because I mean, uh, I've seen her "quote unquote" she... play that a couple of times now. <laughs> I think she's just good at playing it, uh, much like uh, Wallace Shawn is good at playing a, a capitalist in uh, Deep Space Nine, despite the fact that he is a a pretty well known socialist. Uh, well, that was way off track, but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, she. She does this thing, and I didn't. This is the first time that I noticed it. But if you watch the 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 marriage scene, like when they're actually saying their vows and and they're at the altar, and she's playing the the maid of honor, she's like making this death face, like it's this angry grimace like she's really going through with this again and now i have to kill somebody else like <laughs> she 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 does just she does this face and it's never acknowledged like the the priest doesn't say anything to her because he's not looking at her necessarily <laughs> it's, it's just like it's, it's a moment that you have between you and rose and it's it's wild to me that it's never acknowledged beyond that I, Until I think, she's like trying to kill Charlie. Yeah, I, for for all its foibles, there are some things in the construction of, of this movie and the story that rewatching it with full awareness of the plot where it's going and all that, like I really appreciated a lot of the smaller touches. That's one of them, but like all of Harriet's motivations for how she acts uh, throughout which come across as just overly suspicious and like kind of a little outlandish. If you don't know her side of the story from what she believes is happening, like her, her fears and her emotional swings and her insecurities, like three different times she has been with someone on the verge of happiness, you know, presumably in love, getting married, you know, like happily ever after. Yeah. And then, according to from her perspective, they just simply leave and disappear. Like, and I'm sure she's not thinking they're murdered, you know, like she's thinking that they're just, they left her, you know, they just disappeared in the night. They couldn't stand her. They had to leave like once is heartbreaking. And then twice is like, are you kidding me? And by the third time it's got to be like, Oh, okay, this is what life is. I can never be happy. And so that, that push and pull the coldness followed by the extreme, like, you know, need to to like be connected but then also hold someone back like i can i can it actually knowing you know she's not trying to hide that she's a murderer she is just emotionally damaged from all the hurt that she's experienced yeah and she 
it's one of those things where you only truly understand it after you've watched it once. Because the, the first time you watch this movie, you, all that you get is sort of the, based on the information that I have, she probably killed her previous husbands. And you're, you you don't think necessarily about Rose because she's just the, the oddball sister. And as it turns out, she's more than just an oddball. So once you've seen it, once you know that, oh, in the end, spoiler, Rose is a murderer and tries to kill Charlie. Like you, you, you're now armed with that information, and so you're watching for other things. But you always go into it knowing, oh, what Harriet is doing isn't insane. It's self-preservation, and it's you know it, she's protecting herself, she's protecting her well-being, and she she doesn't want to lose another husband who, she, as far as she knows, ran off. Yeah. Like, not was murdered, just ran off and disappeared, and she never heard from them again. And, like, she's not this broken person. She's just a, a victim of her sister's insanity. I mean, yeah, like, when you, when you first meet Rose, well, when you first meet Rose. When you first meet Rose, she's naked as shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, like. All, all the things of her being off is all kind of like it. I don't think it really foreshadows or hints too much at uh, of what's coming. But I, I did notice that uh, during the first, like that breakfast scene, where she's like, "What would you say to silver dollar pancakes, <laughs> fresh squeezed orange juice, bacon, and corner coffee?" He's like, yeah, that sounds Fuck great. yeah, let's do it. And, he's, and then she just pours the cereal. Loops. Sorry, I didn't have those things. Or whatever. But then he's <laughs> like, no, no, that's fine. That other stuff will probably kill you. Uh, and, and I just think <laughs> that, that I mean, the moment could be funny, but then also the idea referencing on this connection of, like, switched expectations and him being killed, like, is brought, you know, is, like, woven into their first conversation. It, that that I I never really thought about it that way, but you're right. Like that, it, it's not foreshadowing, but it's yeah, it's not foreshadowing, but it's just like kind of a play on words that is is like, just kind of like, hidden, like a, like a poke. Yeah, like they just poked it. A four poke. Yeah, it's a four poking. Four you know. poking. <laughs> Classic. Oh, uh, I. <clears throat> uh, John Johnson, a.k.a. Vicky, uh, the aforementioned late Phil Hartman, he, he's in this movie so briefly, but is such an important part of it to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Phil Hartman, like, kids, anyone listening who maybe wasn't alive when Phil Hartman was alive or... Uh, never got to really appreciate the comedy that was Phil Hartman. Go watch, look up Phil Hartman on YouTube. Like, there's so much stuff. Uh, even like the the Van Down by the River uh skit on SNL, where and he Chris plays Farley. the dad, and, and Chris Farley is the motivational <laughs> speaker. Uh, like everything that Phil Hartman did was so so funny. 
including this. And it was a tragedy that, that he died the way that he did and when he did. And he, he's forever missed in the comedy world just because of what he contributed. Uh, go watch some Phil Hartman. Uh, this, the, the, what you see here is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of his, his comedic ability and his, like the way he can just deadpan something and, or, or, or give you this like withering scowl, but the audience is like just losing it, yeah. laughing so hard because the entire moment itself is comedic. Go watch Phil Hartman. I cannot stress it enough. Go watch some Phil Hartman right now. Pause this show and go watch some Phil Hartman. Yeah, and if you don't want to go through all the trouble of like picking and choosing from YouTube videos, as I mentioned, uh, just watch News Radio season three episode. I don't know, like nineteen or twenty or so. And, <laughs> and that way you'll get to and hear listen for John, and you'll get to see Phil Hartman, and it'll be great. Um, but yeah, I, I I can back up that recommendation of his hilarity and wonderfulness. So. There you go. Uh, the interactions between—I well, won't say the interactions between Tony and the captain because those in themselves were funny. But uh, Tony, in and of himself, Anthony Laplaglia, uh, with the exception of the the beginning where he's wearing the the fucking leisure suit, uh, just about every scene he was in was funny like he he really brought it in this and and Anthony Delpaley is funny but not quite maybe it's because he was with Mike Myers or or something but he he was more funny than I remember seeing him like I, I've seen him in other movies like when he was in Empire Records he was it was fairly funny but it was more of as an ancillary character and not like on his own yeah I mean I don't have much experience with him as an actor. I know he's been in a bunch of different TV shows and stuff that I've kind of been familiar with, but haven't really absorbed much of that. Um, but yeah, I think maybe it's just the context he, he got to play. Um, I don't want to say the, the straight part, you know, cause it's not that it's not funny, but like he did, did some good reaction stuff. And of course being assaulted by Mike, Mike Myers' mom in this and, <laughs> um, you know, like all, all these little moments. But, yeah, I think he got to react a bit more. He wasn't trying to carry, you know, probably because it was a Mike Myers vehicle. He wasn't being hand-fed the, the big over-the-top outrageous stuff except for wearing the Huggy Bear suit. Um, so, Well, the, uh, only, the only exception I'll make to that is this, is the, uh, the, the scenes with him – and his captain, like he, he's trying to coach his own captain to be more of a hard ass and and like and and really give it to him. And like this is what I signed up for yeah. as a cop, and you're not giving me that. Like you're this really nice guy, and his <laughs> like like the the interactions between the two, like their scenes by themselves, yeah. are probably where he stands out the most those are great <laughs> uh but he he just i don't know he 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 did a really good job of this um, you know i just realized have you have you watched frazier the tv show uh i've watched some of it i've not watched all of it well um i just realized that he played daphne's brother simon 
How did he? Who, what is hilarious part on the show, he's just basically like a drunk Brit who is just kind of a, a hooligan and, you know, always getting into trouble. And, but it's just like, it's just so funny, the contrariness to, to this particular character. It's 100% different. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. He's I, got a little bit of range. Yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of fun. It is absolutely. Um, Alan Arkin, the the police captain, yeah. by the way, uh, who looked really good in '93. Like that was like peak Alan Arkin, I think, uh, in terms of like his his sort of physicality and his his like just demeanor on camera. Like he he really brought it in 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 the '90s, and and like not that he's not you know. He he wasn't doing it later. Like uh, Little Miss Sunshine, I think he, he did really well too. But uh, just I don't know. Peak peak Alan Arkin for me, I think. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, I it wasn't on the top of mind to mention, but the second you're talking about it, I just realized. Yeah, I I love their interaction. Like that is something that probably for most people, most of the time might look funny on paper. And then when you actually film it, it's like roll your eyes. Cause you're like, this is so dumb, right. but they, the two of them, the chemistry and the, the intensity and the way they just hey, flip back and forth. Yeah. You listen to me, spaghetti head. <laughs> like it just, it felt great. Like it really was funny. I enjoyed that quite a bit. <laughs> was it too much with the racial slurs? Uh, you can't say spaghetti head in 2021. Yeah. Come no, on. Absolutely not. Um, pretty decent soundtrack going on here with the scant exception of the repeated use of there she goes, there she goes again. Like I, I could have done without probably two of the uses of that song in this movie. You could have filled it with something else. And maybe you didn't have the the you know music budget for the movie but uh oh wow this movie took a loss yeah it, it really bummed when it came out but then it got a big cult following after it released yeah but even still like it only grossed uh worldwide 11.5 and it was a 20,000 or uh, 20 million dollar to make estimated well that's why they had to cancel the sequel uh oh no, I'm not trying to do a sequel for this. Are you sure? Because we can. So uh... I divorced an axe murderer. So... <laughs> ah, necessary sequel. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to do an unnecessary sequel. No, we're not. But I do. I I think this is a great '90s soundtrack. I mean, not just songs from the '90s necessarily, but going from Toad the Wet Sprocket to Suede to like Soul Asylum, even Spin Doctors, which holds a special place in my heart from uh, like certain like a high school hijinks, but not because it's, you know, awesome. Um, but I, like, I, lo I love Two Princes. I think Two Princes is a great, I actually have a funny, so not everybody will know this because not everybody's seen the show, but uh, if you've ever watched the Sarah Silverman show. <laughs> I uh, have not, but okay, so tell me a story. Brian Posehn plays a gay man and uh, like allegedly a a like staunch metalhead. Like he's very deep into death metal, 
and his boyfriend or fiance or something finds his iPod and like all that's on it is two princes by the spin doctors and it's just on repeat all the time. <laughs> that's unexpected. It is unexpected. Uh it's not as funny as I made it out to be. But anyway. Uh I mean, don't sell yourself short. I feel like this could have been a really funny story if you had told it in front of a bunch of people drinking coffee. Uh, probably. Hello. And <laughs> <laughs> just you know, tap the mic a few times and like shrug your eyebrows up and down real fast. Ah. Uh, uh, uh-huh. It probably worked pretty good. I've I've struggled from well, we didn't we didn't do a good job when we started this podcast of not quoting the movie because we just kind of fell into that. And I just wanted to have a conversation with you talking about this movie where we're not just going, you know, like you're not asking me, you know, how can you hate the colonel, you know, and, and like we're not getting He into, puts an addictive chemical that makes you crave it for daily smart ass. Like there's just so much in this movie, especially everything that his dad Stewart says that to me, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for Stuart McKenzie singing and, and getting pissed and just, you know, uh, his mom talking about, you know, I mean, this paper contains facts <laughs> and it has the eighth highest circulation in the whole <laughs> wide world. Look Pregnant man gives birth. That that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's just great, um, and and that they allow them to be, you know, a loving, connected couple that's been together for thirty years or whatever, but also like not ease up on the hilarity of them. Like, uh, that's kind of I, I feel like where if you know there are moments uh, again, like Tony and his the the captain and like that, it's kind of out of place. It almost feels forced, and yet it works so good you don't mind. I mean, um, the 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 Stewart scenes they really like. I I can't think of one scene involving Mike Myers playing his own father that is bad, like or or that feels forced or that feels like it shouldn't be there or feels like it was shoehorned in or something like that. Like it's. I think that that's where Mike Myers shines the most is where he's playing these sort of outlandish characters. Like, yeah, in this movie, he does fine as Charlie, but he really shines as Stuart and like he really shines as Wayne and as Shrek and as Dr. Evil or, or uh, Austin Powers just because like it's it's in his wheelhouse to be this fucking weird dude. And Charlie is this sort of normie with the exception of his beat poetry. And it like, it it just doesn't, it doesn't fit him. Yeah. It's like, it's like he bought that. He bought Charlie off the rack versus going to the tailor and getting Stuart. I, I hate that you said that because that sounds really great. And that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) <laughs> it pains me to give you props but yes that is perfect 
uh, for that description. And I mean, you know, you know what Mike Myers is working on right now, right? I do not. It's a TV show called, guess what it's called? So I married an axe murderer? Darn close. Uh-oh. Uh, so I remarried an axe murderer. That's exactly not it either. Uh, (laughs) Austin Powers four, which is Pentaveret. Oh God. Oh, that's right. That's, (laughs) that's not out yet, but I, I know it is coming out and like people have really shit on the announcement. Yeah. I have no idea except as his contract requires for the rest of his life it's called the eddie murphy contract where he's required to play multiple characters of course yes uh, i know nothing about it except the the reference from so i married an axe murderer of his <laughs> hilarious diatribe about the, the pentaverit so i i think just the name alone kind of makes me go maybe i'll look at it i don't know i wouldn't have i probably wouldn't have thought too much about it but now now i i want to know more <laughs> the Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went. It's up. So, I mean, I figure I gotta ask. We've watched, like, way too many Mike Myers movies, and, and we've even we've talked about it. Shrek this show things. has like, been very Mike Myers heavy, I agree. Yeah, like, who knew when we agreed to do So I Married an Axe Murder that we'd talk about Mike Myers? But do, do you have... Uh, uh, a favorite performance of his overall, considering oh. the many different degrees of wackiness we've seen him throughout. And some things not quite as wacky, but maybe not quite as memorable either. Uh, this is a hard question to answer. Like, there's, there's sort of classic, like, well-known Mike Myers properties where you would go, oh, yeah, this is, like... I love this role or, or whatever, like Wayne Campbell, like I, for all the shit that we might've talked about Wayne's world. I love the Wayne Campbell character. Like it's, it's a lot of fun. And even Austin powers, like I like the Austin powers movies, you know, Sumi, the aforementioned Shrek, um, maybe a lesser known role, uh, was in Inglorious Bastards where yeah. he plays a general like that like he's he's in he's in it for a minute and a half but it's it's a just a neat like little poop there's Mike Myers and it's it's fun uh yeah i would say that or maybe like uh his role his again very brief role as the uh record uh record company like manager or whatever at <laughs> Uh, in in Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, yeah. I thought was 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 great. I think that works so well because it's set up from Wayne's World. Yes, like I don't know if if you were not familiar with Mike Myers or <laughs> or the scene, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, the, scene the, the very World. famous, uh, the, which was then integrated to the re-release of the Queen music video. Like, yeah, like, and then to have him play the part of the guy that's like, he listens and he's like, that could never be a hit, you know, like it's too fucking long. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think that's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm curious. I, 
I, well, I guess you haven't really answered the question. Do you have an answer or is it just kind of a little bit all over? It's a little bit all over. Like I, I can't say that I, I could really nail down a single role where I would go, yep, that's my favorite Mike Myers. Cause it's certainly not like the cat in the hat or, you know, anything <laughs> like that. Like it's, 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 uh, look at me being fucking Dr. Seuss over here. Uh, like uh, I'm just I'm looking through, uh, IMDb. I well, guess I just, maybe Wayne. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, for me, I feel yeah. like it's almost it's got to be Stewart if you want to talk percentage. You know, like batting a thousand. I just thought he was he he used his power for good. He did. You know? Yeah. Like, like, it, it was a rock solid <laughs> fucking role. And, and, and as an ancillary character, like not even the yeah. main character of the movie. Like for me, I think a second might be as Dr. Evil. And I think that's just because the whole character is designed of the conceit of being over the top in certain ways. He's not trying to play a normal person like Charlie, who is then having over the top moments that are just kind of a little bit cringy. Like, so that, I mean, granted Austin powers himself is over the top too. And his construction. <laughs> so it's like, but yeah, I, I'd say that's probably second place, but no, I give, I give Stuart the gold medal. I think he deserves it. I think we can all agree that nobody's favorite role is the love guru. And that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> That is our show, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to us each and every week as we distill another favorite from our past. We have new episodes every Monday, so come and check us out on Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and Google and all those various podcast apps. Or head on over to tmdpod.com. You send your friends and family over there, and we have our episodes all over there as long as it's remained up to date. If not, we'll go kick our webmaster and say, hey, like, what's up, dude? Fucking update the episodes. Uh, John. I. I think that's kind of very aggressive and I don't know if I support that, but I will say that most of you who have watched, so I married an ax murder with us have listened to there. She goes about 200 more times than you thought you needed to. Um, but <laughs> maybe you didn't realize there's an alternative. Um, and it's not the, the band that did our you know music for our podcast. Cause why would I bring that up now? But you have the Boo Radleys. Very inappropriate. Yeah, you have the Boo Radleys who did this version of There She Goes that we heard in the movie. But then Sixpence and on the Richer also have a version of a cover of There She Goes that I believe was the B side for Kiss Me. Um, so interesting. So and uh, I I happen to like it more, and I think there's an alternative for So I Divorce and Axe Murder that we can use their version of it. <laughs> um, but. That being said, I really do want to uh, thank Semaphore. Uh, they're the reason that I'm one degree away from Semaphore. Um, even though I haven't met them or personally connected to them in one any One degree way. away in our hearts. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're happy to use their song, Destroying the Evidence, uh, in our podcast all throughout it. And you should definitely check out that song and more work from them. Um, also... Email us if you have any questions, issues, comments, HR complaints, or just want to talk weather. Uh, you can reach us at memorydistillery at gmail.com. And yeah, so what? It's going to be in the hundreds here in Seattle. That happens all the time. Don't worry about it. And uh, tweet us at TMDPod. You know, 
do, do whatever it takes. TMDpod.com is our website. We're all over the place. Just come play with us. It'll be fun. Come Thank play you. with us. Thank you. Thank you. And you. I'm gesturing to the different people I'm thinking. Um, this could take forever. And uh, you, John. Thank you. Oh, well, that's all I was waiting for. That's it. I'm John Deck, and I'm out of here. And I'm Anthony Veneri, and this has been the Memory Distillery. I like the nightlife. I like to boogie. <laughs>